Hey guys, we're doing the podcast right now. So, we want you to tell your favorite clean joke. How did the psychiatrist change the light bulb? How? It has to want to change. <laughs> a woman at 90 is over the hill. A man at 90 is a catch. What kind of cheese is not your cheese? Pizza cheese? <laughs> nacho cheese. Uh, nacho cheese. Okay. You're listening to RTNT, Radio Totally Normal Toronto. My mental illness allows me to be more compassionate. I don't let it stop me from what I have to do in life. My mental health helps me relate to other people. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm at peace with my mental illness. Mental illness saved my life. It gives me a new outlook on life. This is Zondiwe. And this is Michelle. Welcome to episode 2 of Radio Total Normal Toronto, or RTNT for short. RTNT is the voice of Toronto Community Mental Health. We are a monthly podcast produced by the members and staff of Progress Place, a mental health recovery centre located in the great city of Toronto. The title of today's show is Mental Health and Creativity. Oh, creativity. I mean, maybe this sounds corny, but I need a little creativity in my life for balance. If I don't have it, life gets stale and I get awfully grumpy. I like to sing with my kids because it makes us happy. Speaking of happy, that gets me thinking of laughter. I hope you got a little laugh from the jokes at the top of our show. There's more where that comes from because today we are talking about comedy. In our first segment, Gaitan brings us to interviews. But Campbell and Michael Arnold share their experiences with laughing like crazy. Oh, keep the comedy coming. It's just great. Laughing like crazy began as the Toronto chapter of Stand Up for Mental Health in 2005 before striking out on their own in 2010. It is now a 16-week peer support program offered by the Mood Disorders Association of Ontario in partnership with Star Learning at St. Michael's Hospital. It teaches participants how to write and perform stand-up comedy. That's not easy. And it also does so much more, but that's what we're going to hear about. So please stay tuned to RTNT. My name is uh, Bart Campbell, so that's Bart as in Bart Simpson and Campbell as in Campbell's Soup. I've uh, been a laughing uh, like crazy uh, participant as well as a facilitator, and I've been involved with laughing like crazy now for almost five years. Uh, How would you describe laughing like crazy? It's a peer support program using comedy as the product. So peer support meaning uh, most of the persons that participate in our Laughing Like Crazy program that's put on by the Mood Disorder Association of Ontario uh, is a uh, uh, concern about people and their mental health and wellness. So we help people heal and recover and uh, doing a peer support slash comedy program for 16 weeks where persons 
check in every day, talk about some of the most challenging things that they've uh, been dealing with, and then learning how to uh, write jokes about it tend to be very therapeutic. How did you become the facilitator for this project? Interesting question. I was selected uh, by the executive director to assist a couple laughing like crazy uh, facilitators. And um, after helping, uh, the opportunity came up for a facilitator to lead a group out in Guelph, uh, Ontario. So I had uh, volunteered to do that. And uh, it was a huge success. And I continued to be a facilitator for Laughing Like Crazy. Uh, can you describe the class, how it's like, and who are the target uh, participants? So it's uh, primarily for uh, persons uh, struggling with mental health uh, challenges. And uh, the class is structured. You check in and we do the peer support component where you kind of talk about how things are feeling, how things are going for you. And then based on stuff that folks have shared, then we now transition into uh, joke writing. Of course, before we get into all of that, the first five weeks is more technical, so it teaches you the basics of comedy. What is stand-up comedy, etc., etc. So after taking care of the technicality and learning about how to write jokes, then we go into now taking what people bring on a week-to-week -week basis and use that to make jokes from. What are the benefits and the challenges of the Laughing Like Crazy? Fantastic. So benefit, it becomes another tool that persons use to manage their mental health challenges. Again, I talked at the top of the interview that uh, our goal at MDO is to help people heal and recover. So talking about some of the most challenging things that you're dealing with that you might not be able to share with public or with family or friends. So this is an avenue for you to approach it from a therapeutic perspective, getting some peer support. The challenge really is a commitment for, for 16 weeks and also managing the dynamics of what people bring sometimes because people get triggered by different things that other people say. So as a facilitator, you have to be very skillful in terms of how you manage that. Fortunately, one of the key uh, Part of the program is to establish a comfort agreement, so some sort of rules up front that we will abide by as we go through the 16 weeks. So that helps us manage some of the challenges, but when there's a real-life situation to, to take care of, it's always uh, not so comfortable. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, what is the link between mental health and humor? Wow, there's tons of benefit, and that's a whole uh, class, actually but it uh, relieves positive endorphins. Uh, sometimes our mood disorder causes us to feel negative, so we get positive endorphins, it builds confidence, and it gives you an opportunity to feel like you own something. So the humor that you uh, get from other people laughing with your uh, challenges that you have and give you control over it. I'm thinking a lot of the listeners, they have the question in mind, how do you build confidence and uh, Basically, uh, they would be curious about where you come from and uh, what steps have you taken to, to build confidence? To each person, it's their own. It's up to each individual how they build confidence. Um, but for me, uh, I have a very corporate background, so everything has to be done a certain way, structured a certain way. But in the mental health world, uh, people's moods, Um, sometimes are all over the place. And so to help me manage and build my confidence, uh, for the last four years I've performed has Mac Hardy, which is uh, the name of my grandfather, drawing from him. 
but over four years have become so confident facilitating and participating in Laughing Like Crazy that tonight for the first time I'll be performing as myself, Bart Campbell. That's interesting. So confidence would be in different sectors of life. Uh, some things you are confident doing, the others, other things you are not. Right. So, okay. What would you say to someone who's interested in taking the program? Well, that's, again, a very interesting question because this mental health journey is a very individualized journey. So a person can get involved and get very triggered and may feel very uncomfortable sharing certain things. But the one thing I can say to persons who may be interested in taking Laughing Like Crazy, you'll be fully supported as a peer. So what you bring to the table will be respected. There will be no pressure. There will be no stress of you performing and writing jokes. It's really just checking in, talking about some of the things that are very challenging for you. And if we're able to make some jokes from it, make some jokes with it. Also, investing the time for the 16 weeks leading up to the showcase and participating in the showcase. And after the showcase, you will have experienced a life-changing experience. And what has been the response from the audience? Wow, well, you know, the the last group that I did, um, 90% of the audience, we do surveys at the end of of each show, 90% of the the audience felt the show was very entertaining. Uh, They felt the participants were very brave to stand up and make jokes about their situation. They'll tell a lot of other people about shows going forward, and they're looking forward to the next one. Is there graduations or what steps happen after the program? Wow, okay, so we have a graduate program. So once a group graduates, they join our graduate program, which meets once a month on the first Monday of every month at the Mood Disorder Association of Ontario, and they continue the peer support process and they continue the joke writing process. We also perform at request from different companies for annual general meetings, um, company picnics, company parties. So we have a grad group that continue to do joke telling after the fact, uh, based on person's comfort level. We have some people that are so excited about this whole process of discovering the comic in themselves that they go on to places like Second City and uh, Yuck Yucks and so forth and so on. So to each his own. Some people just do it from a peer support perspective, enjoy the benefit of completing a 16-week program and doing a show. Others continue to come after for the grad program and continue to write jokes, and others go on to do bigger and better things according to their life goals. What is your favorite joke? I like having a mood disorder because then I don't have to worry about being drafted for war. (laughs) I don't have to worry about being politically correct. And if I can't get it, I blame the medication. Okay, thank you. You just heard Bart Campbell, a facilitator with Laughing Like Crazy. And up next, we have an interview with Michael Arnold, a recent graduate of the program. Hello, this is Gaetan from Radio Totally Normal Toronto. And I have here a participant. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit where you come from? My name is Michael Arnold, and I was born here in Toronto. Um, Started out in North York and in my teens moved to uh, the Danforth with my parents, and at 22 moved out on my own uh, and lived downtown for about the last 26 years. Okay, Uh, you are doing the Laughing Like Crazy show, and uh, what is your relationship to mental health? 
Well, um, I come from a family of mental health issues. Um, my mom and I are both bipolar, and I have an anxiety disorder. How does that manifest? Um, when I was about 16, I got depressed for the first time. And when I was 17, I went full circle with the mood cycles. So I went from being depressed to being moderately high to being very high and delusional back down to being depressed again. Do you find laughing like crazy helpful and in what way? I find that it's helped me uh, with a lot of issues um, like anger and fear, uh, things that I had buried deep inside and now I'm able to bring them out in a positive way through humor. Uh, how would you define recovery? If I were to define recovery, I guess I would say that it's different for every person. Um, for me, it means getting to the point where I'm not afraid to live my life openly and freely as I wish. Uh, what is the link between mental health and humor? Oh, I think you need a good sense of humor to deal with mental health issues. I think uh, it's very important. Um, I think without humor, um, do a lot more ruminating, a lot more crying, and it's not good. Uh, where do you see yourself in the future? Well, um, I recently dealt, dealt with um, a year and a half of uh, cancer. And um, so I really see myself now as just trying to live uh, a happy, healthy life for as long as I can. And what parts of laughing like crazy that were challenging to you and uh, what uh, strength did you discover about yourself? The part that I found challenging, I guess, was um, to let go of all my inhibition, to let go of being, a, like if I was afraid to tell secrets before, now I'm not afraid to tell secrets about myself, you know. I'm able to be open with people a bit more, um, just letting myself speak freely with other people in a close situation. Would you de define yourself as an introvert? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, I've been very extroverted at different points in my life. Um, I think certain circumstances in my life have sent me back into a shell at certain points also. So the the challenges is to get out of the shell, maybe uh, gaining contact with emotion. Am I mistaken? No, you're right. You're right. And uh, is there some strengths that you have uh, that you did not know before that you have discovered with this program? What will you keep from uh, this program uh, once everything is done? I think um, coming out of this program, I have more compassion uh, for other people who've been through similar situations as myself and also 
very different situations from what I've been through. Um, so I see compassion as a strength I've gained and understanding. Um, and I... Um, so just openness to others? Yes. Yes, openness. Uh, anything you want to add? Um, I think that this is a good course or program for anybody who has been through mental health issues and wants to explore their inner self and bring it outward. Uh, what advice would you give uh, someone who's uh, thinking of doing this program? I say go for it. It's given me such a feeling of elation to be able to perform in front of like a large audience. And um, we haven't done it yet. I feel the excitement. <laughs> I do. Can you finish with uh, telling us uh, a joke? Um, my dear friend Sunspot is the only person who's allowed to call me Cupcake. Of course, she's the only person uh, who realizes that I'm only half-baked. <laughs> But she's my frosting with the golden sparkles anyway. Thank you. It's uh, I appreciate uh, this experience that I can connect with a uh, fellow participant. I myself has gone through this program uh, last year. And, uh, so uh, we're making some friends here. Thank you for coming and, uh, and uh, interviewing me. So now that we've laughed, let's look at uh, another side of creativity and mental health, drama. RTNT member Yael is lucky enough to sit down with Laurel Brady the writer and star of the one woman show, Surfacing. But before we talk to Laurel, here is a piece from the spoken word artist and Progress Place member, Grant Ellis. Four years ago into this city of Toronto, I wrote a piece and it's called Justify. From shelter to shelter, from the Danforth to Queen, some people wonder what's up with this scene. Why ain't I working a job nine to five? Why is it some truth to barely survive? I'll give you an answer if you really must know. I jump board this train 40 plus years ago. I run from a little town in 73 to see what Toronto would offer to me. Six months on the street at 17 is a chore. Seven or eight months locked up, shut the door of ever being able to be more than I am a crusty old soulless shell of a man. Maybe someday I'll explain just why, but believe me, dude, I can justify. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Laurel Brady. I'm a writer and an actress and... Yeah, that's, I guess, a little bit about me. <laughs> so how did you get into acting and writing? I have been acting since I was quite little. I did it kind of because I was super shy, and my parents decided there'd be, like, a way to get me a little bit out of my shell. So I did improv classes, and then I started doing um, plays, I think, when I was, like, six or something. I was super shy, so for a long time... It was just me loving it, but also dreading it at the same time. <laughs> so, and I've been writing also since I was little, even before I could actually like spell. I just wrote, 
random shapes and books. What role does mental health play in your life and in your work? I've gone through periods of anxiety and depression in my own life. So like as a human being, that's, I guess, my experience with um, mental health. And I have a lot of friends who also have anxiety or depression or different forms of mental illness. So it's something I'm super aware of and, I don't know, used to in a way, I guess. In my work, in particular, I guess for the show I just did, the show revolved around mental illness. It wasn't my story per se, but it was like informed and inspired by my own experience with mental illness. So building on that, could you tell us about Servicing? Yeah, it's um, a one-woman show. It's about uh, a young woman who is opening up to her mother about going through anxiety and depression and trying to figure out how she got this way. And and it sort of uh, flashes back and forth between memory and present time and different experiences in her, in her life, which she thinks has shaped the person she has become. So is the show an autobiography? I wouldn't say it's autobiography biographical in the sense the events that occur in the show generally didn't actually happen to me like the actual events are not you know stolen from my diary or anything but the feelings are definitely the inspiration for a lot of the scenes in the play yeah at many points in the performance you have dialogues with other characters and take on their personas so could you explain how that pushed the story forward one of the challenges of a one-person show is like you're one body on stage so I think to help keep the show active, which is, I guess, what theater is mostly about, unless you're just gonna be doing a straight monologue piece. Um, we incorporated other characters into the show to help show their perspective of, the, the main character's name is Lynn. So we tried to show their perspective of Lynn and her past experiences with other people and their interaction and their her perception of their opinions of her. Um, so we use that as a device to just showcase and make more of a fully developed version of her life through other people's perspectives. So in the playwright's note, you ask the question, what are the stories we are all too afraid to tell other people and what stops us from telling them? So how does servicing answer those questions? I don't know if it answers those questions. I think it just creates more questions, which is... I don't know if that's like fulfilling or satisfying, but I think that's very true to life. Um, the show itself, I mean, she she's opening up to her mother for the first time about depression and suicidal thoughts and anxiety. And I think that is a story that many people are afraid to tell because, um, you know, there's stigma. And I don't think a lot of people want to say that they feel scared or anxious or or not well but it's really important to tell those stories because it's important to be honest and I think anyone whether you've suffered from mental illness or not has felt that way at some point in their life so I think that's the kind of a universal question what are the stories you're afraid to tell yeah is it important to you that the art address the topic of mental health yeah I mean for sure the story itself is really rooted in mental health um so it wasn't even just like, we're going to make a play about mental health. The story itself is about someone's lived experience. And a primary factor of that is that she's suffering from anxiety and depression. It wasn't just like sort of slapped on top of the story. It was the story itself. Yeah. Do you think performance 
can address mental illness in ways other art forms or other approaches can't? I think so. I think because you can talk about things in a hypotheticals and I don't think people necessarily understand or quite get like the full impact of suffering from anxiety or depression and those are my experiences. So I tried to write those and perform those as truthfully as possible. And I think seeing someone going through, say, a panic attack on stage or saying these super critical things about oneself, I think a lot of people can resonate with that because maybe those are the thoughts that many people feel but don't know how to express or have never actually expressed those out loud to anyone. At least that's the feedback we got during the run of the show. Mm -hmm. Are there any other stories, films, plays, or books that talk about mental health that have inspired you to create this one-woman show? There's a couple shows I watched and not as inspiration, but I just ended up finding them along the way, which was just funny enough. I think it's one of those things you like kind of learn a word and then you see that word everywhere. I think it's just like you're conscious of something and then stuff shows up. I remember a couple years ago, I read Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is like an incredible book and also a movie as well. And there's this um, Australian show I started watching called Please Like Me, which is very good and super funny and not what you expect about something about mental illness. So I really appreciated the humor within it. Yeah, those are probably two big ones for me. So you just had your first show on the weekend, right? Yeah, we had the run like that. Yeah. Uh, how was the reception for that? Really good, really positive. I think um, it really depended on the person because some people were sort of devastated after shows and some people were laughing a lot and some people were crying a lot and it, it just depended on people's personal life experiences. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because it's very like true to people because I think our own life experiences shape how we perceive things. So it was interesting because there's some people in the audience I knew who had experiences either with their family or themselves with certain kinds of mental illness. And sometimes they were laughing the most out of anyone, which you would kind of think it would be the opposite, but it was almost like they resonated with it in such a true way. They were like, that's exactly what I think. But then there was other people who were like, you know, devastated. And I sort of, I felt kind of horrible after. I was like, I didn't mean to <laughs> make you feel terrible. Now, when are the next shows coming up? So we actually finished the run. Yeah, so it was a short run. We might do it again down the line. But yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's been two years since we did the first run of it. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We might, be, we might do another reincarnation soon. I don't know. Thank you for uh, letting me interview you. I'm glad I got the chance to interview you. Yeah, thank you so much. So we are at the end of episode two of Radio Totally Normal Toronto. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about us or any of our guests on today's show, visit www.radiototallynormaltoronto.org. If you would like to know more about Progress Place, visit www.progressplace.org. We'll be back in March with a show exploring mental health and oh my, Red Tape. To take us out, here is RTNT member and former Laughing Like Crazy participant Gaetan Jeunesse with some of his jokes.
I like dance. Independence. I've completed a marathon. That was the easy part. Now the hard part is to say hi to my neighbor. I'd love to see Kevin Sorbo and The Rock Dwayne Johnson have a wrestling match for the next Hercules movies. A guy came to me because of a need to connect. So I set up his Wi-Fi. I've been single for so long that I refer to my favorite video game as The One. Having the right gear is very important. For example, earplugs when being criticized. Why did I lose my job in the convenience store? Well, I dropped three sprites and they have a three sprites you're out policy. (laughs) 